And hello to you, Dennis. And uh, today we're going to talk about joints. And when I say mm. joints, uh, I am talking about <laughs> things like knees and ankles oh, I and believe elbows. You. I believe you, Jade. <laughs> You'll be cautious with that word. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, it does have a couple of meanings. So um, joints and supplements and mm. how they can help. Oh, look, a very exciting uh, point of discussion today based on a recent experience which has confirmed a lot of what we have discussed with reference to joint problems over the X number of years. Quite an exciting discussion. Health Naturally today. And Dennis, you want to talk about joints and supplements mm, and how mm. they can help joint I health. I do. And look, I was uh, encouraged to take up this discussion today, even though we have spent over the years time looking at some of the things I'll talk about as a result of having a very good uh, discussion uh, with a gentleman that came to see me um, purely to get uh, advice and up-to-date information on the supplements that he had been using probably close to a decade, supplements which uh, he began to use largely as a result of taking the initiative, listening to the program, getting encouragement to do something about his knee joints which were beginning to become symptomatic. He's a big man, lovely guy, lovely guy, and a great uh, Novocastrian. Um, in his past, he had been a, a very well-known rugby player, and rugby players give their knees a hard time, believe you me. And he was doing particularly well to the extent that I wondered why, in fact, uh, he wanted to, to p pursue the discussion. But he was doing remarkably well on a combination of three supplements which had beautifully kept his knee joints, if you like, functioning largely free of discomfort and had already overcome some of the early symptoms that encouraged him probably 10 years ago to go on to supplements such as, and I'll mention the three because I still believe that these three supplements, which we have mentioned frequently, arguably are three of the safest and most well-proven supplements used in complementary medicine at the over-the-counter level and also at the naturopathic uh, dispensing or consulting uh, environment. And they are, of course, glucosamine, um, either on its own or in conjunction with chondroitin and other similar substances, fish oils, and also one that we very, very frequently mention, uh, turmeric, and particularly the active principle of turmeric, which is curcumin. Now, just as a matter of explanation there, uh, many herbs, including turmeric, and most listeners would know what turmeric is. When you eat curry, you eat turmeric. But like many herbs, these uh, herbs that are used now medicinally uh, can be shown to contain very definable chemical constituents, which in concentration particularly uh, can establish uh, very profound uh, and helpful physiological effects. In the case of each one of these supplements, which again I commend to people who may well be having joint problems, not just of the knees, but the hips and anywhere where the bones are beginning to assert themselves in the early stages, say, of osteoarthritis, the three supplements, again, 
would be glucosamine, uh, fish oil, and turmeric, or particularly curcumin. Those three have kept this gentleman, uh, and I applauded him for the way in which he had initiated years ago the taking of these things, and was very, very pleased with the results that he was getting. But with each of those three supplements, and this is the point that he merged in our discussion uh, the other day with this dear gentleman, with each of these supplements, it's important to take on board that they are not what we would refer to as conventional drugs. Now, I think it needs to be pointed out to listeners that there is a big difference on most occasions when we're using some of these supplements that go very close to being seen as nutritional support. There's a big difference between using that approach and using, if you like, some of the pharmaceutical prescriptions that are prescribed, prescribed by mainstream medicine. Now, listeners know that I have nothing against that which our good doctors prescribe, but I'm a great believer, and I'm sure many medical practitioners would concur, that wherever possible, using lifestyle change and using what I refer to as a softer system of medicine, a less problematical system of medicine, and frequently a system of medicine based, if you like, on nutritional supplements, is the way to go at least as an attempt to offset the development of more serious joint conditions which may be starting to occur. Now, the fact is dosage. People frequently say when I discuss glucosamine with them, oh, look, I've tried that. Uh, didn't do me much good. And I would say, well, uh, how long did you take it for? Oh, look, it was, it was easily a month, uh, easily a month. And then I would say, well, what dose did you use? Oh, well, I used uh, what was on the label. Now, that's okay. But let me say to listeners, glucosamine is still, in my opinion, one of the most useful and well-documented nutritional supplements as a good starting base for working against degenerative joint conditions. Now, there is a point at which any joint problem reaches a stage where it is beyond uh, what we're talking about, and our good rheumatologists and general practitioners uh, rightly recommend at times the, the having of an operation. But with glucosamine, a three-month exposure to the substance, either on its own or preferably in conjunction with chondroitin, and at the right dosage, if one is going to use a glucosamine, one must work around the recommended dosages. And there is a general uh, consensus that a thousand milligrams of the substance taken, say, twice daily, that is 2,000 milligrams, is a very good dose, particularly at the starting level. Others would say 1,500 milligrams, but what I'm saying is the literature talks about using glucosamine in tangible, measurable, rather high dosages, which generally speaking are on the products that are being sold or utilised. Let me just say that glucosamine taken at low dosages and haphazardly is unlikely, certainly in my opinion, to have much effect on a developing joint condition or slow down some of the problems with joint conditions. So with glucosamine, my advice is 
give it a chance, give it a chance. About three months, in my estimation, based on what I've read and what I've recommended, is about the time when you're able to make a useful assessment as to whether or not it's going to help you and say 1,500 milligrams to 2,000 milligrams of the substance daily is a dose which, in my opinion, is the dose that's likely to give you the best result. This chap was getting a result from glucosamine because he was using it at that level and had been using it for a long period of time and given it a chance to show just what benefit it had on the joint condition. And Chris has rung in from New Lambton, Dennis. Uh, hello, Chris. Hello. Um, Dennis, Chris Piggott calling, oh, and a long hello. time no speak. Hello, Chris, it's, my dear friend. Good to hear from it's you. A, it's a great joy to... Uh, uh, look, I, I'll add um, a little positive to what you were saying about glucosamine, chondroitin. You've yes. got to get those doses right. Yes. And I've seen so many good results from it. Um, so uh, that's just an endorsement and a little extra qualification. Mm. Dennis, I did want to ask you. Yes. Um, you and I see a lot of autoimmune diseases. Correct. Correct. But I, I'm also seeing some people on chronic um, um, long-term therapies with antibiotics. Yes. Now, I'm uh, having learnt with you, I'm mm. I'm very keen on large doses of vitamin C, particularly Correct. if they're as sterified as calcium or sodium salts, not all ascorbic acid. And you yes. might like to explain that to your listeners. Mm. Um, now, I'm also thinking zinc yes. uh, and some of the andrographins, the echinaceas. Yes. Yes. Would you mind just talking? Uh, some clients listening may, lo- may be on long-term antibiotics yes. and supplements to help them, Dennis? Yes, look, it's a very, very good question, uh, uh, Chris, and I'm, gla- I'm glad you raised it. The, the things you mentioned are the things that obviously I concur with wholeheartedly and, uh, in fact, uh, practice it my, uh, myself. Your emphasis on, on the nutritional supplements, particularly higher dosages of vitamin C, particularly in conjunction with zinc, I think is pretty well foundational in building up nutritional support, both those nutrients, as you would know from your pharmacy background, having significant literature to support the fact that these agents do improve uh, resistance at a general level to infection, and in any attempt to lessen a person's uh, ongoing use of antibiotics, if one is going to do that, I see those two nutrients as being pretty well mandatory. So they're the things that I would recommend. Um, I'm still uh, with with herbs. I'm still working with herbs that you and I discussed many, many years ago. And I still concur with the idea that the American selection, uh, uh, led by good quality echinacea products, uh, reinforced uh, by a golden seal with its uh, useful berberine alkaloid, uh, those two herbs, but increasingly these days also involving the, the Asian or Chinese selection, spearheaded by um, you know, re- remarkable um, Asian remedies that I've sp- very sp- uh, frequently spoken about on this program, particularly astragalus. Um, I uh, use a lot of those. Those three would be the three that I still use in conjunction with the two nutrients as a starting base 
for generally helping people lessen their dependence. I'm a great believer, as you would be also, in, in, in supplementing with good quality probiotics uh, and making sure, of course, as you would definitely agree with, that the patient's lifestyle and eating habits are supportive of immunological mm. improvement. So mm. not mm. a lot has changed. What I mean, we could talk on the topic for hours, you and I. <laughs> we we mm. could easily do that. But what, what you're doing, I support. I have been in recent times, and I'll emphasise this again to listeners, I have been uh, very interested in the, in the work of Dr Sandra Cabot, particularly in explaining the coronavirus and the supplements that she recommends uh, in page 62 of her book on the coronavirus. Her book, by the way, uh, I have no trouble in saying is one of the most remarkable texts I've read, uh, written in a very readable way, explaining to people what viruses are, what the, the nature of COVID. And on page 62, she has five supplements, uh, two of which you've already mentioned, as mandatory for improving immunological health, which at the end of the day is the backbone of helping people retreat from more interventionist medical therapy. So uh, I would suggest to people again, uh, page 62 of Cabot's book, um, there's a few other things mentioned there. We could talk for hours on it, things like selenium uh, is another big one, but certainly yeah. high levels of vitamin C and zinc, uh, probiotics, and the herbs that you rightly mentioned, I would be very surprised if long-term users of antibiotics did not, in conjunction working with their pharmacist, their doctor or their natural therapist, do better than just staying on one antibiotic after another. A good example of that would be, Chris, um, recently I, I saw a lady who would, had been getting recurring episodes of diverticulitis, uh, a very nasty disease which necessarily required antibiotics what we set out to do there was to try to create a situation where infection in the large bowel affecting those pockets or pouches was less likely to happen and so what we did there and i'm, I'm sure you would agree with it we emphasized again simple things like uh, probiotics the regular use of, of garlic supplements and of course yes, mm. you still can't mm. beat it you can you you still can't beat it uh, can't oh. beat it. And of course, and of course, soluble fibre, my favourite, still being slippery elm. As a result of that lady right. doing that, right. she has now had something like 18 months freedom from diverticulitis. And of course, she's happy and so is um, her GP, I can assure you. <laughs> so they're the, we could talk on the topic all day, Chris, and I'm glad you actually uh, rang in, like everyone else is yeah. trying to ring in, particularly on my phone at present. Yeah. But uh, stay, stay with it, Chris. And also, with the glucosamine, yes. I'm reminded by your recommendation, yes. and I love natural things. Yes. You, ta you taught me how to make a broth yes. out of bones, yes. and yes. people get the glucosamine yeah. and the chondroitin. Absolutely. People used to eat like that a hundred years ago, but it's gone now. This is the whole so, point. I'm actually reading a text at uh, present reading, uh, Foods That Our Grandparents Ate, uh, written, by, uh, written by an American who's pleading for a consideration of some of the dietary habits that our grandparents used and, and uh, depended on, some of which were dishes such as you're talking about, which uh, didn't require a lot of use of supplements. 
But again, Chris, you would agree, uh, we're a lazy society today. Uh, it's, it's a fast society. People would rather take the supplement than eat like grandma did, albeit I tried desperately with my own family and listeners and patients and clients to get them to do so. We'll have, Chris, we'll have to meet again shortly. Time goes too quickly. <laughs> and uh, have, have a drink or something and reflect on the good days. And we are talking supplements with lots of different benefits today on Health Naturally. And Walt has rung in from Cameron Park. Uh, Walt, now we're talking about the more mature, per- mature person and uh, general supplements. Is that fair? That's correct, yes. Yes, having just recently retired... Well done. Um, yeah. I, look, I had a dentist years ago, and uh, he listed maybe five or six so-called essential supplements um, that he recommended for people who, as like, like myself, had retired, for just for general health. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I can remember them, and, of course, I can't. And I wonder <laughs> if he remembers that. <laughs> okay. Look, the, the first thing I would... Uh, say there, uh, Walt, is that um, at 65 you're still a young man, so you don't necessarily need to see yourself uh, being on too many things. Right, Um, yeah. uh, What I emphasise increasingly is that as we get older, we need to be more cautious and more sensible, particularly about the foods we eat, and look, look more seriously at some of the foods that are being used um, if you like, in a, in a medical way. Right. Now, um, this, is, this is a topic that one could speak about all day. Uh, guess what I'm saying, however, is, uh, for instance, uh, an emphasis on foods that comprise the Mediterranean diet. Yep, yep. I, 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 yeah. see, I see that dietary program as being confirmed yeah. like nothing sure. else. And yep. basically uh, what it means is that we that uh, are Anglo's largely um, have been frequently raised and living on food, which is more appropriate, if you like, for the northern hemisphere, and right. overlooking some of the proven benefits of Mediterranean food, mm. which, as mm. I've said before, uh, yeah. sees, for instance, a retreat uh, from red meat, yep. an emphasis, a great emphasis on fish, a great emphasis on vegetables, particularly Mediterranean vegetables, things like, for instance, the eggplant, uh, which should be eaten a lot more, uh, things yep. like things like capsicum. Okay. Uh, and uh, get get hold of the yep. uh, just punch in Mediterranean yep. diet. Sure. Yeah. And the the, yep. the regular sensible use of red wine. Yep. Um, th- those <laughs> Not, uh, th- yep. those those sorts of things derived. Uh, from a culture I was reading this morning, mm. that uh, the 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 people in countries, particularly in in uh, northern Asia, in, uh, in in various places like Taiwan and and, and Japan, where people uh, live very uh, frugally on a lot of seafood, and yep. those in the Mediterranean area that live similarly, right. without dispute, have been mm. shown to live the healthiest yeah. and longest lives. So. The, yeah. the first thing is I encourage all my listeners to take on board the emphases of the Mediterranean diet. For yep. instance, um, I believe that if we're not using copious amounts of olive oil in our, yep. in our diet these days, 
we are missing out dramatically. In, I'm, I'm perhaps being very emphatic here, but I, but I am, not just because I live in the Hunter Valley where we produce some of the best olive oil in the world, but my reading of olive oil, which is the background again of Mediterranean eating, convinces yes. me, convinces yep. me that here is a supplement which if used regularly and consistently on a daily basis, either deliberately taking it on its own or using it on food, mm-hmm. can contribute significantly the health of the cardiovascular system, particularly the health of the gut, uh, yep. lessening the onset of gallbladder disease, regulating the bowel, all these things associated with that crucial agent associated with the Mediterranean eating habits. I see that as as the first emphasis. Now, this doesn't mean to say that we can't utilise uh, things like a good steak or anything. I'd be the first to say, look, yeah, yeah I yeah. still have that. Uh, yeah. And I'm certainly not encouraging that we wipe ourselves out with, with grog, albeit, yeah. albeit I have no problem in saying to listeners that uh, not just because I live in the Hunter Valley, but uh, my wife and myself enjoy uh, particularly uh, good red wine, which I'm convinced knowing its constituents, comprises some remarkable health benefits, particularly for people at our stage in life. Yes, no, I'm (laughs) definitely a fan of red wine. Well, there you go. Now, the other thing is, what I would suggest is that uh, talk to your pharmacist and get hold of uh, what you might call a a complete uh, multivitamin and multimineral preparation. Uh, Your pharmacist or your health food store proprietor would know what I'm talking about there. Now, this precludes frequently the need to be uh, using in, uh, individual supplements. If, if we're yeah. looking at, el- at an ageing process, a good multivitamin and multimineral preparation designed for people at our stage in life, although I'm very much uh, further down the track than you, right. is a useful thing. Having yeah. said that, as Chris and I were discussing a moment ago, two crucial nutrients for immunological purposes, particularly for people at our stage in life, a good doses of vitamin C, even if that is prescribed separately from a multivitamin preparation with yeah. good levels of zinc. Now, if you were to do that and uh, take on board what we all already have been talking about, the need uh, as, as an ageing population to learn from traditional medicine, at least make sure that you're using something like a ginseng or something based on astragalus. I am convinced from my studies, my lectures, my reading, that those two Asian remedies, particularly Panax ginseng, is still one of the most useful devices to resist the deficits of ageing. And I've had enough experience and observations in my 45 years in this system to talk of case after case after case of where elderly people uh, are presenting in a brilliant state of health frequently as a result of using that particular herb or combination of herbs. I think I'd be going down that pathway as a start, uh, Walt. And thanks very mm, much for mm. your call, Walt. Uh, Cameron Park is where Jenny is calling from as well. Jenny, uh, your question is about osteoporosis. Yes, um I have quite severe osteoporosis, but I'm I'm really allergic to the um, doctor's preparations for that. And I wondered if there's um, herbal, you know, supplement that I could take. Look, 
to be fair, if you have advanced osteoporosis, um, anything you take in the natural world uh, is unlikely to be effective as the mainstream medication is. And I know what that mainstream medication is, even though some have reservations about the rare side effect of that. Uh, it, generally speaking, does give some good results. And I'm a little bit sad that you're not able to uh, utilise that preparation because my observation is that it has been useful. The only thing that I would suggest is that um, you um, talk to your GP or to your pharmacist or to your health food store proprietor about using a good um, calcium supplement, particularly with what we call synergists. They are substances which in conjunction with various forms of calcium uh, are claimed to improve the uptake of calcium. And whilst not, that's not necessarily the, uh, the answer to the problem, in some cases makes a contribution to slowing down uh, the, the, the status of osteoporosis. Talk about that uh, with your good pharmacist, with your health food store proprietor, and run it past your doctor. And uh, on to NURFM. The program is Health Naturally. For Dennis Stewart to uh, comment, uh, answer your questions, etc. Health Naturally and Beryl has rung in from Kiliburn Bay. Now, you're talking about... Hello, Beryl. Hello. Sorry. Yes. Hello. Your husband has problems with congestion and phlegm. Yes. And, and he... I've been told about Malian tea, and I yes. wanted Dennis's take on that. Okay. Uh, first of all, Beryl, uh, thanks for ringing in. Uh, Thank with, you. With reference to your dear husband, the congestion and phlegm that he has, is that a chronic problem associated with an underlying condition such as bronchectasis? No, 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 nothing like that. Okay. No, it's just um, so he seems to get it every morning. He's been, okay. been to the doctors, but they can't seem to do okay. anything. He's got what we call uh, colloquially uh, a wet chest. Yes, yes. It produces a lot of mucus. Yes. Um, Always with anything like this, you need to be uh, sure that it, it is a benign condition and not symptomatic of any underlying serious conditions. But yes. if it's been investigated and he has, like many patients that I see, just a mucousy, wet chest condition, uh, yes. one herb that is particularly useful is Moulin, M-U-L-L-E-I-N, Moulin. Yes. Yes. Uh, interestingly, it can be used as a tea and it is one of the most common wayside herbs that grows on granite country, which you see very, very prolifically growing up around the New England area. I used, oh, to, okay. I used to collect it from there and take my students on identification walks up around there. But it is available usually from our good health food stores as a tea, or I prescribe it um, more professionally in what's called a liquid extract form. That is okay. where something like a, a teaspoonful of the extract once or twice a day uh, mm. takes the place of using multiple cups of yes. tea. Uh, and, and if he has a, a serious congestive condition, I tend to think that the use of the herb as a fluid extract uh, would be better. Uh, but let me just say, let me just say, uh, in my treating wet ch uh, chest conditions, I fall back very, very confidently on, on a herb that is not that well known, although anyone that practices professional Western herbalism as I do uh, knows about it, and that is a herb called Elecampane, E-L-E-C-A-M-P-A-N-E. 
Now, A-L-E-C-A-M-P-A-N-E, Ellie Campaign. It's available for my rooms or any herbalist rooms, but Ellie Campaign has the best reputation in Western herbalism and is referred to in some of the references that I've lectured from, particularly a book entitled Herbal Medicine by Alfred Priest and his daughter that was written years ago, where it's called up as a specific for wet chest conditions. Moline, in conjunction with Ellie Campaign, is a butte combination, preferably preferably taken in a prescribed liquid extract form. Now, in mentioning fenugreek, it is one of my favourite remedies, albeit if you're going to use fenugreek, which is very good as what we call a mucolytic, that is something that lessens the production of mucus, you need to be taking it in significant amounts. And sometimes that means that taking fenugreek, purchasing it from the health food store in an encapsulated form or certainly in a concentrated form gives you a better result. You can use fenugreek just as the crude substance and make a tea or a drink out of it, but to get the benefits of it, you need to take it in a substantial level. Um, a great herb, however, but on its own, in a substantial level, it would be great support for Moline and Lee campaign. Ah, but let me just say, don't, never overlook the benefits of what we call garlic pearls. And they are an old traditional preparation. Encapsulated garlic oil, one of the best remedies ever used to address any pathology associated with the respiratory system. Cheap as chips, uh, not popular for obvious reasons, but remarkably effective. Oh, garlic's always good, isn't it? It is indeed. <laughs> it is indeed. It with, is indeed. With that barrel. And uh, we're moving to New Lambton now. And George, you have a question about honey. Hello, George. Maybe yeah. we don't. Hello. Hello. Hello, George. Hi, Dennis. Um, I know you love honey as I much do. as I do. I do. But I I have it nearly every day. Yes. And I sneeze. It somehow or another it affects my nostril. Okay. And I sneeze. Now, I mean, I love honey, but that's what I've got to put up with. Oh, How dear. can I overcome that, oh, Dennis? Dear. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, a, a real problem. Is it only when you're eating honey? Yes. Now, do you use the same variety of honey all the time? Yes, okay. from the supermarket. Okay. Look, what I would suggest is that the honey that you're using, which is the, the same honey, may in fact bear traces, traces of pollens and other things uh, which can sometimes stimulate in some people uh, a reaction of, of sneezing or a, a sort of an allergic reaction. My, my advice would be uh, to change the brand and uh, variety of honey that you are using. And these days we talk about the benefits of using a honey that is sourced locally because the theory is that a, a honey that's sourced locally by bees necessarily brings with it some uh, resistance, if you like, to allergic reactions from substances brought uh, in from honey from other areas. 
So my suggestion would be, and I'm not criticising what you're doing or where you're getting it from, um, try to get a honey that is local to our environment, a locally produced honey, a pure honey, a honey that is, is definitely honey. Um, try that. I'd be surprised if varying your honey and taking on board my emphasis of trying to get, even from the markets, locally grown honey that's been not processed, you might find you're doing better. Oh, George, all the hmm. best with that. And then you get the experience of all the different honeys. Why not? And I, I look, I, honey. honey is like that. People uh, love the idea of there being different varieties and different tastes and different flavours. I'm glad that uh, George likes honey, and I hope what I've told him encourages him to stay with it because I'm a great believer in its therapeutic benefits. Dennis, we've got time for one more mm, call, mm. and it's on the subject of osteoporosis. Mm. Judith has rung in from Valentine. Hello, Judith. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Hello Jane. Judith. Now, what would what? you like to say about well, osteoporosis? Um, I have it, and I take exactly what Dennis said, but th this lady can't know about the injection you can get from the doctors. Mm. It's an injection for anyone's osteoporosis. Yeah, correct. And look, this, this lady, I think, was intimating that unfortunately uh, she's intolerant to that. That's the way I interpreted her comment because I, like you, uh, have great confidence in the medication that is prescribed specifically for this condition. But my take on the lady's comment was that uh, she was not able to utilise it, that she was somewhat intolerant to it. Um, oh. But having said that, um, I would be still recommending to people that they do what you're doing, and that is a good calcium preparation, but calcium with other synergists that improve its uptake and enhance its ability to support the bony structure. Okay. Yes, I'd take all those that you mentioned. Uh, good, girl. Uh, good girl. Well done. And thanks for your call, Judith. That's really great and good to say hello. And uh, just a mention of a last call, although Jan is no longer on the phone. She's from Spears Point. She rang in to say she has allergic reactions to most supplements, yes. including vitamin C. Yes. Is there an alternative? Uh, look, again, probably you're reactive to vitamin C because of the high doses that you might be, be taking. Vitamin C comes in fruits and vegetables. Uh, it's very difficult to bypass them. I would suggest that you start using uh, citrus fruits more regularly. Orange juice in particular, it can give you enough vitamin C to meet the required daily average. Try getting your vitamin C from f fruits and vegetables rather than supplements where you might be getting the isolated vitamin C without the accompanying bioflavonoids and that might be what's causing the reaction. And let's hope that's it. It's stomach mm. upsets, so that probably Correct. is. Correct. Uh, well, we've got about 30 seconds till oh, we finish. Right. The, 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 oh, I would have liked to have spoken about uh, fish oil and curcumin, Next the other time, two Dennis. supplements that this friend of mine, this beautiful giant, uh, yes. was talking about. We'll take it up next week. We will. Or the we, week after. One of those yeah. weeks we yeah. will. And yeah. uh, basically what you're saying is supplements are good. They are, <laughs> particularly if they're used wisely and for particular conditions. Taking supplements for the point of taking supplements is frequently a waste of time. But using supplements deliberately to address a problem, whether it be ageing or whether it be joint condition, in my opinion, is a very sensible procedure. 
Excellent. That's Health Naturally from today. Thank you very much, Dennis Stewart, mm. and we'll do it again soon. Thank you, Catch dear, it Jane. on podcast, 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.